Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. TCU at Utah. Marco, what should batters be looking at? TCU is the best defense in the country. It's held five straight opponents to seven points or less, but Utah is going to be the best offense they faced all season. All right, so we talked before the game or before the, the video here is you think this number's about right. So let's – here's the thing. We, we give a projection on every game, but sometimes the projection's going to be the, the number's about right, which, let's be honest – if it wasn't, there wouldn't be the big hotels in Vegas. Is a vast majority of games the numbers right? So that doesn't mean that we can't talk about the handicapping factors because some of our listeners might say, you know, I actually discount the pro Utah stuff. I agree with what you guys are saying on the pro TCU. I'm going TCU, but in a way, we want to frame the conversation. All right, so let's talk about TCU's defense, which was your first key point. First question is always going to be strength of schedule. So as you go inside the box score with TCU, is that because that's kind of a ticker stat. Oh, look, TCU, they only scored five or, or three points. They only scored seven points. What, as you look at the yardage, as you look at the inside the box score, is TCU that good on D? They are that good on D. They haven't really been tested you know, all year. Their best games that they had talent-wise, opponent-wise, was at the beginning of the season. So you all, defenses are always ahead of the offenses at the beginning of the season because you don't have your timing down. Now, late in the season, Utah finely tuned offense, balanced. They run the ball and pass the ball equally as well. That's going to be the major test. This is going to be a good game. Utah is a team, to me, that's been flying under the radar. I mean, when you hear the talk about the teams, you know, the Boise's, the TCU's, Utah's not been in that conversation. But this week when the... And here's the thing. If TCU and Boise each had a loss or weren't as good as they are, Utah would be getting all the attention as the non-BCS school. Right. And, but as much as you haven't heard the talking heads talk about Utah, the BCS rankings have them fifth. You know, so they've soared up the, the BCS. And if the winner of this game, whoever it is, I think really is going to have a good shot at playing for the national championship. Well, that's an, and again, that's a non-betting point, uh, so we'll go over it very quickly. Assuming Oregon doesn't have a real competitive game the rest of the year, now the question is, the interesting question is, in the Auburn-Alabama winner, assuming that they don't lose any other games, it does a if Auburn wins, clearly an SEC team is going to make it, a Pac-10 team is going to make it. But assuming that it's Alabama, does a one-loss Alabama beat Boise for the BCS? But then the next question is, does the winner of this game beat Boise? So what you could have is Alabama with one loss, Oregon in there, Alabama with one loss, Boise with one loss, and the winner of this game, or excuse me, Boise with no losses, and the winner of this game with no losses. Amongst those three, one's going to be left out. Right. So that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and if it's TCU that's the winner, Boise's got no shot of leapfrogging them with their schedule the rest of the way. If both teams So what you're out. saying is, in your opinion, if TCU wins out, they have the better chance of making the BCS than Boise? I do. Well, that, that's not what the talking heads are saying. All right, but let's get back to the batting side of things. We'll leave the water cooler to our friends at the Mike and Mike show. Is, okay... So what you're telling me is, as you look at this TCU team, now here's what's interesting. Vegas does their odds makers poll. Vegas has TCU as the very best team in the country. They're saying if they were making a true line, not worrying about public perception, TCU would be favored over every team in the country on a neutral field. All right, so one, that makes me want to play TCU because very few betters are going to say that. So that means I'm on the odds makers side. But then I think you're absolutely right about Utah. The fact that you Boise and TCU are undefeated has Utah under the radar, which makes me think they're underrated. So I think TCU might be two points underrated. Utah might be two points underrated. So net-net, it's pro- the line's probably about right is what you're speaking to. 
I have right now, my projection is TCU winning the game by four. The line's five. All right, so give us your official projection. I have TCU 24-20. I will note, people might look at Utah's game last week against Air Force and say, oh, they, they almost lost last week. That was to be expected. Playing this game this week, they had to be looking ahead, and we just talked about it in an earlier video. Air Force is one of those teams with those quirky offenses that it's hard to prepare for, especially if you got one eye thinking about a bigger pie next week. A pie. Well, you have a lot of food analogies. That's it. When you, let me ask you a question. When you, get, when you have a pie at home, mm-hmm. and let's say that you're not worried about your wife or anything else, do you eat it straight from the tin, or do you cut a, a separate piece out into a plate? Pie, it depends what kind. Apple pie, I'm going to pull it out because i got to put it on Do you like the apple pie chilled? No. All right. So, so that's why I said, I'm, I'm, no, I'm cutting it out. I'm actually taking it to the microwave, and then I'm going to you know, nuke it for about 30 seconds. Then we bring out the ice cream. Uh, the Alamo, right? Yeah. And then it melts. Do you, do you let the ice cream touch the pie and so it melts a little bit? Oh, or yeah. do you keep right it on, on, no, right on right top. On top. Right on top. No, and, in a tradition from back in Pittsburgh, there used to be a chain of restaurants, King's, and they had cinnamon ice cream that they put on their hot apple pie. You liked that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we did. Now, <laughs> let, me ask you, let me ask you, when do you eat the pie out of the tin, ever? Uh, when it's just the last piece. Yeah. So then you just pull it out, yeah. and then you scrape out. That last piece could do you I scrape have different up sizes plates? on what the last piece. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> half the pie. Oh, that's it, one piece left. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> Proof that Utah is under the radar. They just all games, last 11 games, they're 9-1-1 one, one, ATS. So, though they're favored in most of these games, they're, they're exceeding expectations. Last comment to kind of talk about the fact that this game is kind of, uh, you can see both sides. Last year, the team scored in this matchup 83 points, which would make you think over, over, all oh, two high-powered offenses. In the last six years, counting last year, they've only averaged a combined 36 points. So, it really is... One, you look at it one way and it's go left, and look at it the other way, go right. You know, I think this might be one to watch for me. It's going to be a highly entertaining game. One other point that if this thing comes down to the end of the game and it's tight, TCU has not been in a dogfight yet this year. Utah has. First week of the season, they played Pitt at home and they went to overtime against Pitt. So that experience of a tight game, and then of course last week, the tight game against the Air Force. That is a plus if you come down to the fourth quarter with the stakes as high as they are in this game. All right, good stuff. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. You can talk about pie or this game. And next up we're going to be talking about Alabama at LSU. Alabama at LSU, and this is Marco's best bet. Seven of nine winners on Marco's best bet right here free. Marco, what you better be looking at? I'm looking at this game. I've got Alabama as an undervalued commodity right now, and LSU is an overrated commodity. And I'll explain and break it down. So this is a value play, and you actually tend to have two types of plays, trap plays and value plays. All right, so value play. Why is Alabama underrated? Well, Alabama, after they lost the game uh, to South Carolina, they flew under the radar because they had a couple close games the week before that. They had a close scare uh, against Arkansas. Then they blew out Florida. Then they lost to South Carolina. People are going to look at their two road games, which was the Arkansas game, which they had to come from behind to win. And then they're going to look at the South Carolina game and say they lost on the road there and say this is just an average football team. So you're saying if you look at the scores, which most handy or most batters don't go much deeper than the scores, it would make sense that they don't value Alabama as highly as you do. What is it that you're seeing that they're missing? That three games that I'm talking about there, they were all clustered around the Florida game. The Arkansas game was the week before Florida. The South Carolina game was the week after. Let me tell you that when it comes to the SEC in Alabama and Florida right now, that's where it's at. Alabama has had the history the last several years, championship games with Florida and everything. The Arkansas game, they got caught looking ahead to the Florida game. And then the South Carolina game, after they absolutely throttled Florida, this team was ripe for an upset, and it happened. Okay, I, I tend to agree with you. And actually, in the oddsmakers poll, they 
had Alabama as, I think, maybe the third or fourth best team right after they, they lost to South Carolina. Yeah, it was a tough spot, like you said, third tough game in a row, close game they lost. Does that, how much does that really say about a team? And I tend to agree with you that they're a little underrated. Now, speaking of the oddsmakers poll, LSU, by their assessment, is overrated. So they agree with you there, too. BCS has them number 10, LSU. Alabama, uh, excuse me, the oddsmakers have LSU at 17. So BCS at 10 versus 17, that's seven, seven spots different, which really does speak to be a slightly overrated team. Why do you think LSU is overrated? Well, people are looking at LSU. They were undefeated going into the Auburn game. So naturally, you know, you can't get any better than undefeated. They only lost by seven to the Auburn team. Well, this is the Auburn team that right now is in the public eye. They're a high-scoring team. They're under. So that looks like a, a loss that people can swallow. Right. All right. So why is that dig, wrong? Digging deeper into that, LSU was the perfect type of team. And if you remember, we did that video that week they played, and I said this is going to be an under, even though that was the week following Auburn had the highest-scoring game in the SEC. The week against Arkansas, they scored sixty-some points. LSU has a tremendous defense, and Auburn has no defense at all. So that pedestrian LSU offense can look better than normal against a defense as bad as Auburn's, and their defense was able to contain Auburn enough to keep them in the game. The difference here is Alabama has a balanced offense, but Alabama has a good defense. Probably maybe just a step below the LSU defense, but it's good enough to shut down this mediocre LSU offense. Okay, now one of your pet theories is play against a team after the loss in college football that, that uh, makes their season goal unattainable. Alabama's yet to have that loss. Right now, and we talked about in a prior video, in the TCU-Utah video, is everyone's projecting if Alabama wins out, they're going to make the, the, the BCS will have them number two. So assuming that that is a vi- I'm not certain that's the case, but I'm certain Alabama believes it is, mm-hmm. or possibly the case. So they have hi- the highest possible motivation. Would you agree with that? Definitely. All right, good. So that agrees with you mm-hmm. on Alabama. Number two we talked about the theme this week was road teams and how these high-level professional road teams can uh, do a lot better than the mediocre teams on the road because of the amount of support staff and all that stuff. Alabama's covered 10 of 14 on the road. So that's over 66%. This is a team that travels well. That's a, I agree with you 100%. goes to Saban's coaching abilities. LSU is famous at home in night games. Don't, don't look at my notes ahead. Uh, we actually have the same one here about November. <laughs> All right, well, I'll let you do the November one. I, I saw you hunched over my clipboard right before we started taping, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the fact that... All right, so let's get back on pace here. This is an afternoon game. LSU is famous in night games. Like They've won 27 of 28 straight up. But this is an afternoon game. And just overall, night or home, LSU's only covered, they're 7 and 18, so 7 of 25 at home. So this is, maybe at night they're still really good. I'm not sure if that's, they're not even overrated there. But in the day at home, they're overrated. So you've got a good traveling road team with Alabama. You've got perhaps a, a team whose home field is overrated. Another Alabama positive. Talk about November. Well, under less miles, and I think you have the stat a little bit bigger, but I'm looking under less miles. This team in November, 1-8 against the spread. Now, I got 1-10 ATS. Now, we talked about the months where November is the end of the year. There's very few, few games played in December, as we said. So, really, you're saying the last four games of the year or so, how does this team do? That, to me, is a very valid trend. This team finishes on a, on a, on a downslope. Right. At the end of the season, there's two factors. Either you're packing it in for the season if your season's going bad, or if you're in the thick of things, now each game is pressure-packed. And that goes back to the last miles we've talked many times. His coaching style is so conservative, I think it hurts him in point spreads. But I, as I always do point out to you, it's different being a dog than being a favorite if your coaching style is close. We talk about that with Jim Trestle a lot. Okay, so give us your official projection. I've got Alabama by two touchdowns. I've got him. This is my best bet. Alabama 27-13. and 13. And as we said, 
27-13. I am 7-2 with these games. And I can put an asterisk. If we take away me going against New England, I'm 7-0. and <laughs> You know, when I tweet this out, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say 7-2. and I'm not going to say 7-0 and except for Pat's games. <laughs> All right. Um, let me see here. You know, actually, this I actually had a best bet on the Thursday night game this week, but this was my second choice as a best bet. I love Alabama here. I like too. Alabama. Just wanted to say one other thing to tell listeners. If they want to get two more premium free picks for me, Check out my homepage on the weekends, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, MarcoD'Angelo.com. I give out two more picks, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. We hit them both. So last you do week. videos for these. I do a video for and You these. don't have me. I don't have you. And the, so views, the views are way down because of that. So what we need to do, guys, I'm going to go to the two camera <laughs> dust. Is Marco's been, been feeling bad? He's saying, what could it be? I'm Marco D'Angelo, but why are the views triple when RJ's here? So I'm going to say, for all of the RJ fans out there, Give these videos a shot. It's MarcoD'Angelo.com. And to be honest, here's the thing. It's not going to be quite as good. I agree with you there. But when you do watch next week's videos and I'm here, you're going to appreciate it all the more. All right. All I can say is wow. <laughs> now it's your turn, though, to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be moving to, oh, why did we pick this game? Oklahoma, Texas A&M. You must really like it. Well, listen, this isn't an exciting game, but Marco must have a strong opinion, so we'll be back with that. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Oklahoma at Texas A&M. Marco, I'm, v- I'm very interested to hear your thoughts here because this isn't, to me, one of the top games of the week, so that means it must be a betting game, a, a top betting game. So what should betters be looking at? Well, better should be looking at it here. This is a fundamental matchup situation. You've got two great passing teams against two poor pass defense teams. I think there's a lot of value in the total, and that's where my play is going to come in. But there's also some angles here in the game that are very interesting that we'll discuss in this. Okay, so you like the over, and we're going to talk about that. Is there anything about this game other than that fundamental matchup on the total you want to talk about? Because if so, let's get the projection out of the way, because I think we've got some interesting uh, concepts to discuss that aren't really total related. Is there any other, other than great passing offenses, bad passing defenses, the total being a little low, is there any other reason you like the over? No, I just don't see uh, that's, that's all you got to say. Give us your projection. 41-38 Oklahoma in a shootout. This thing goes over the number. All right, now, your, your projections are, are a winner, so great stuff there. Now, let's talk about it a little bit more. This line feels a little low to me. How do you break that down? Well, the line opened at 4 which would make it over what the game we're going to compare it to. You know, whenever I talk about traps, a lot of time I'll compare another game and say, put these two teams on a neutral field, and I'm going to do that to you now. Put Texas A&M and Missouri on a neutral field. Who's the favorite? You would have to think Missouri. Absolutely, plus the fact that Missouri beat Texas A&M already this year. All right, so public perception at minimum says Missouri's better. Right. Oklahoma's laying the same number now because it's down to three that they were to Missouri. That just makes so absolutely. Oklahoma was on the road at uh, Missouri, on the road at A and M, laying three in both spots. Yeah, it makes no makes no sense to me. So that puts up the trap alert for me. There's also revenge. Now the way let's talk about the trap though. The way you handle traps is you actually go against the perceived value because you think it's 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 fake value. You think it's fool's gold. So that would make you that one situation. You think the line makes you think Vegas is looking for Oklahoma action. That's what you, on the, the surface, but I will put a footnote to that. When I look at this now and, and if comparing those two games, where I would be full steam ahead and take the Texas A&M side is if Oklahoma would have indeed won on the road at Missouri laying that number. The fact that they lost makes a little bit of credence for them making a slight adjustment down on Oklahoma. Okay. Now, revenge. This is a huge revenge game. And I know every game there's a revenge for somebody from last year, you know, because somebody lost, uh, provided they played. This is a huge one for A&M because they got killed 65-10. to 10. 
Anytime you get embarrassed like that, you're going to remember that game, you're going to circle it. But one thing happened in that game that makes this even more. With the score 58-10, to 10, in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma scored their last touchdown on a pass play. With the score at 58-10, to 10, there should be nothing but running plays. All right, so this is an example of you going inside the box score, not only looking at all right, A&M's responding to the fact they were blown out, but they're responding to the fact that it looks like the score was run up on them. Yeah, is a coaching staff, is any team player that was on that team last year, you don't forget that last score. I'm sorry. and They're going right. to be highly motivated. Oklahoma has won... Uh, they've won seven straight and won by an average of 30 points. So this is a situation now for all, you know seven years that Oklahoma has just dominated this team and won by 30. Now you have a major line adjustment where this is almost pick the winner, as you like to say, though I don't like to say that at three. I like to say that at two and a half. So if I told you you have a team that – has won by an average of 30 points for seven straight years, laying only three, wow, that makes me want to take Oklahoma, which, again, the question is, is that fool's gold? Well, given everything we said, I've got to you know, put caution to that, taking Oklahoma. Uh, I don't want to just run to the revenging side of A&M because... No, no, I understand. I, I'm just saying, though, to back up the whole idea that it looks like Oklahoma's too good to be true is that they've won by 30 on average for seven years. They're laying three, one-tenth of that. I also think what people might be missing with Oklahoma is they have one of the more severe home-road splits. At home, they're almost unbeatable. On the road, they're significantly the worst team. More of a spread between their home road than most top 10 type teams like Oklahoma. And that's been a theme this week is a lot of these great college teams travel well. Oklahoma really doesn't. And specifically in this series, 10 of 12 have been covered by the home team. So that would be another reason maybe to look towards A&M a little bit. Anything to close? Pointing out a perfect example of the Oklahoma against a good passing team on a similar situation on a road game at Cincinnati earlier in the year, which Cincinnati wasn't really playing that well at the beginning of the year, Cincinnati gave them all they could handle in that game with their passing offense. And I see A&M, you know, exchanging points here. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up we're going to be breaking down the three biggest NFL games of the week. Colts at Eagles. Marco, what should betters be looking at? Well, betters are going to look at this game and say uh, Michael Vick's returning, so that's a big plus for Philadelphia. And Indianapolis, Peyton Manning. You think those two combinations, you're going to think a lot of scoring in this game. I'm going to tell you why that's the wrong way to go. The value in this game is actually on the under. All right, so let's start with Manning. Um, Clearly a lot of injuries on the Colts on the offensive side of the ball. Their win against um, Houston uh, or uh, Houston on Monday night seems to maybe assuage people and say maybe maybe Peyton Manning's above it all. It doesn't matter who his receivers are. Watching that game, you still think there's trouble for the Colts offensively. I do, and what I've seen during the, these injuries and with the Colts is. Manning's not having, he's not getting in shootouts like he used to. It'd always be, you know, Manning in a 30, you know, 33, 30 game, you know, just outscore the opposition. The defense is actually stepping it up. And if you look at this defense, they held Kansas City to nine, and Kansas City's been scoring points in bushels this year. Denver to 13, the Giants to 14, and then Houston, a team that scored 30 some on them in the first game, they held them to 17 in a rematch. So, the Indianapolis defense playing way better than anybody expected, and this is a bad scheduling spot for Indianapolis. Coming off a Monday night game, you're playing on a short week. Philadelphia, two weeks to prepare. So you're taking one team off a short week. All right, so that sounds like you're making a case for Philly. So how is the scheduling situation going to incline the Colts to have a low-scoring game here? The scheduling situation is it gives Philadelphia defensively two weeks to scheme to stop this Indianapolis. Right, so that's, that's Philly having a bye. What about the Colts off a Monday night game? 
Colts off the Monday night game, this is just a bad situation for them. So that's why perhaps, so what I'm hearing is you're, you're not saying that so much in support of the under. You're saying that to explain why maybe you don't like Indy here right. is you think Indy's defense is underrated, which means you might want to play Indy, but you're saying in this spot you don't because of the scheduling. Because of scheduling. And the other point on that scheduling, we've talked about this a couple times this year, and I've talked about it on Dan and Mike's show on Friday in the NFL. The one game that's the least meaningful for a team is a road game against a non-division opponent. And that is what you have with Indianapolis. Either, you know, they're playing an NFC team on the road. This, if there's any game on the schedule, that's the least to their benefit. So with all of that said, like you said, why do I not like Philly for the side? Well, I don't like the situation of Michael Vick coming back this week. It's, it's just a situation in Philadelphia that, you know, he's coming back off the injury. I look for some rust from him, which is why I tend to the under rather than the play. And it's just going to be a tough situation. You know, Michael Vick's got pressure this week. I hear you. Okay, so I, I, everything you're saying makes sense to me. Let's talk about Philly off the bye. This is something Colin Coward talks about a lot as a way to back up Andy Reid as a great coach. I'm not sure how much I agree with that. He's 11-0 and off a of bye, undefeated straight up, 9-2 and ATS. So Coach Reid knows how to use the bye to his advantage. I agree with you 100%. I'm not sure how much better Vic is than Cobb. Uh, as you say, Kolb, but, but I call him Cobb. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is that whatever advantage he has, coming back with the rust that he has, especially a guy that's only started a handful of games in the last five years or four years or whatever, that has to be a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you there 100%. All right, so really for the total, I, I see everything you're saying. Do you have anything else on the total side? I don't. I see this. All right, give us the projection. I see this as a 23-17 type game. Uh, I like the under. That's going to put us a t- you know about a full touchdown to play with in that total. Take the under. I think that's the smart All right. play. I want to talk about Peyton Manning for a second. This is, this is for those who are thinking about the side. If you would have taken the Colts the last 11 times they played a winning team, so usually with trends saying a winning team is a good team. Mm-hmm. Though that's not always the case. A team can be 1-0 and and whatever. But in general, it's a good team. You only would have lost one bet of 11 by betting on the Colts. Blind. Hey, Colts, winning team, bet. You, there was two pushes in there, only one loss. To me, at some point, when do we start saying Peyton Manning is, is in another level? Because we know he doesn't lose in primetime games. He doesn't seem to, or he plays very well in primetime, backed up again on Monday night. He plays very well against winning teams. He, no matter who his receivers are, he seems to win. The, you know, I usually like to fade marquee guys. In general, it's fade the people they're talking about on ESPN. I'm not sure if Manning doesn't transcend that. And, and this is a situation where you, remember, this is a Colts team where the Steelers, that are supposedly one of the best teams franchises in the last decade or two decades, they've won the Super Bowl twice in five years and didn't make the playoffs the next year twice. And this is a team that that literally, what was it, nine straight years went in 20 or 12 games or something? I mean, it's like they have had a level of consistency, and Manning has had a level of consistency. I'm not sure the Joe Montana's or anyone's ever matched. And i got to almost say that, that the Colts are almost an unbettable team because I don't want to play on a guy with such a premium on him, <clears throat> but I don't want to bet against him. I can't argue with you. And the one thing when I watch Peyton Manning, as opposed to some of the other marquee quarterbacks in the league, you know, <coughs> like Tom Brady, just it's like the it factor. He just has it. You like his flowing hair. No, I don't point. like his flowing hair, but you know, people say he can carry a team. You're jealous, though. Well, I just if want hair. Not, period. If I question. can just have hair, period. How much would you pay right now in cash to snap your fingers and have Tom Brady's hair for the rest of your life? <laughs> uh, if I could snap you'd my pay, fingers right pay now, I might do a disappearing act with somebody on the set. <laughs> but then, then it'd be back to your own video. Well, I think. Would you I, pay twenty-five dimes? <laughs> I'm pretty. Then, then, you know what we'll do next week? 
We'll tease it right now. Is <laughs> we'll get in the Thursday video. We'll get a yes or no from Marco. Would you pay twenty five dimes to have Tom Brady's hair? All right, go ahead. Wow. What I'm saying with Peyton Manning versus the other your marquee quarterbacks is Tom Brady finds a way, it seems like, to, to win. But when you look at Tom Brady, he doesn't have the work ethic that Peyton Manning has. He's not a, you know, a film guy that's in the you know, room. They say the, he's pretty good at that, but Manning's on a different yeah, level. Yeah, different level. When I look at Peyton Manning, to me it's like actually having another head coach on the field when he's out there. That's the difference I see with Peyton Manning. I agree. All right. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section. And if you want to, you can bet yes or no or predict, will Marco, would he pay the 25 dimes for Tom Brady's hair? Next up, we're going to be talking my favorite team because I make so much money betting against them, the Dallas Cowboys at the Green Bay Pack. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Cowboys at Packers, Sunday night football. Marco, what you better be looking at? Well, we finally may have the flip-flop of public perception where they've just finally hit rock bottom with Dallas and, and they finally got them o- just overvalued as far down as they could be. I mean, Overvalued well, I mean, as far? You mean you think that the valuation is to the point where they're finally undervalued? Right, rock bottom, as low as you can go with the Dallas Cowboys. And on the flip side right now, Given the last two weeks of Green Bay's games, the stock is back up on Green Bay to the point where it was at the beginning of the season, talking about playoff Super Bowl with Green Bay, because they beat Minnesota on a Sunday night game two weeks ago and then turned around, went into the Jets, which has been the everybody's team, you know, the darling this year, and shut them out 9 nothing. And this is a Green Bay defense that's been, you know, trashed most of the year so really what i'm hearing is this is a pure value play you got the cowboys finally undervalued in your mind packers perhaps overvalued thus it's a simple mathematical play maybe this line should be six and a half or seven you're getting nine and given that it is a sunday night game and and that is the only reason it's on the video this week because if this was on the regular schedule we would not be talking about this game but that's another point about value Vegas knows that these TV games, the Sunday night and the Monday night games, are the most bet games of the week. You've got people trying to get even for Sunday on the Sunday night game. So, the line, so what you're saying is the line is, is built more for all NFL games get a lot of action, but the Sunday night game gets even more. This line has a little more public bias in it. Right, and normally that bias would be to a Dallas Cowboy team, as you've noted a hundred times, that is the marquee team. But there can actually be a boomerang effect when you have a team that's bet as much as Dallas is. Week after week, not only are you losing your money, but you're not even in the game. Imagine the mentality of someone that said, Dallas can't lose to the Jaguars, and then you, you're, you're laying six and a half or whatever, you end up getting beat by 20-some points. At some point, you're not going to bet on them anymore. Right. You're right. And then take that to the post-game comments of Wade Phillips, where in his, you know, he literally said his, but he said, I don't know what to do. He literally said, I don't know what to do. If I knew what to do, I would have done it already. And then you have, go one step further, Jerry Jones says to the media, he apologizes to the fans, makes it, you know, for the embarrassment of his team. Now, if you're a player on that Dallas Cowboy team, I know the season's gone and you got nothing to play for, but you're playing on a national spotlight on a Sunday night. If you got one more game left in you, <laughs> if you, you know, if right, you, give us your projection because I think we're going to do a bet. Okay, I'm going to take Dallas plus the points here uh, against Green Bay. I vowed myself that I wouldn't be involved in another Dallas game the rest of the season. And then when I'm preparing for the videos this week, lo and behold, this is a Sunday night game, and i got to do it for our audience. All right, so I don't know if you know this, um, because you live in the Richie Rich part of town, so you don't drive my way very often. (laughs) But I'm actually thinking about having – I'm a big movie fan. I'm thinking about having a, a little bedroom turned into a movie room. I'm going to call it the cowboy room because batting against the cowboys is is funding the room. So I'm ready. I, I yeah, think I you're thought right. You were going to do something. No, else I in think that you're room right. You, I, you said the cowboy room. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're right. Is that Dallas is underrated, but I think that we're missing something. We got low character guys on this team. If they if this was week one, 
I agree, taking a nine would be gold because low character guys, when they still think they can make the Super Bowl, and again, I'm not generalizing, I'm generalizing. I'm not saying this guy's low character, that guy, but in general, this isn't the Steelers. This isn't the kind of team that faces adversity well. Mm -hmm. If they get blown out by the Jags at home, how aren't they getting blown out by Green Bay? And you know Green Bay's not going not gonna to lighten up here. So they're playing America's team. So if you, you've got your projection, if you're ready to back up, I'm ready to do a nickel or a dime on it. We haven't had a bet for a while. We haven't. But do you want it? Well, considering uh, I'm I don't hear a yes. Put the yeah. face, to, the head to head up. Yes yeah. or no? Yes, we'll do it. We'll do it for a nickel. Do you want a nickel or let's do a dime? No, because, you know, I won the first two when they were a nickel, so we'll just keep it at a nickel. Let you earn your way back because, you know, I still have your All right, dime. so we got our bet. Now, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, Vegas has given up on the Cowboys, as you see in the line. I've never seen an adjustment this extreme in one week. Is even with Kitna, they had the Cowboys as the 14th best team last week. And now they're the 24th best team. Now, I've seen pretty extreme adjustments in week one or week two. People just, we're halfway through the season, and they're saying this team goes down 10 notches in one week. So I think that's interesting. It speaks to why the line is what it is. Now, I'm not sure how much this matters because I think this is a purely motivational pick, but the home team has covered eight of nine games in this. So, you know, let's throw that out there for what it's worth. Question is, let me see how I want to ask this, is, Well, let me ask you. I'm going to think about what I was going to say there. Do you have any other closing points, and then we can close with mine? Well, I do. What's lost here is, given, as you said, the overreaction to last week's game, John Kitna did not have a bad game last week. They had four turnovers, but if you actually watch that game, two of the interceptions that he had were not his fault at all. They were the receiver's faults. Uh, right in their hands, they tipped the ball up in the air in but again, bad things happen to bad teams. I know that. The other thing I'm going to point out, other than last week's loss by how much they did, Dallas has not lost a game this year by this spread. Nine points until last week. Green Bay, until last week, winning by nine, has not won a game by more than nine points this year. And... I will point one thing that they had an advantage last week, Green Bay against the Jets, that's lost in this. The Jets were coming off a bye week. And I know we always talk about the bye week and preparation and everything else, how it's a plus. When everything is going well for a team, to me the bye week is like a, a coach in basketball calling a timeout when the other team is on a run. It is a momentum stopper, and that was a, an advantage that Green Bay had last week. So I think this is a total overreaction. They've made it too much in the, you know, in the penalizing Dallas for you know, being America's team. Everybody's seen them air their dirty laundry. The team has quit. The coach doesn't know what to do. And Jerry Jones is embarrassed. I've got value here. You know, I think I agree with you. I just don't think that you can quantify with numbers a team giving up. Because a team giving up can lose by 40. I think it's, at some point I would rather have... The, I would rather have right now the Buffalo Bills, which in most power rankings are the worst team, mm -hmm. even though they play. I'd rather have the Bills get nine here than the Cowboys because though the Cowboys have a lot more talent, I think there's a 50% chance they lose this game by 40. Now, you make, we always talk about this. Whenever you have a high variable game like this, it could go, you know, let's be honest, if the Cowboys really play, they could win this game. You don't want to tease a game like this. The point, this could be a game, and some places have reverse teasers. I, you know, this could, I think this is a game where if you're right and they are motivated, it, you know, there's probably value with the nine. I think it's a game that they could lose, like I said, by 20-plus. You don't want to tease games where points aren't really valuable, and in a game like this, they're not. All right. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be breaking down the last game of the week, Monday Night Football. Steelers at Bengals, Monday Night Football. Usually I ask Marco what he thinks. I'm taking the lead on this one. But actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the lead by asking you a question. 
What do you think of the Steelers this week compared to before the Saints game? How have you adjusted your power rankings? I really haven't adjusted them um, one way or the other because, to me, last week's game, Pittsburgh played well enough that they could have won that ball game. You were in a bad situation, a Sunday night game, on the road, at night, Halloween crowd, you know, just party atmosphere. And I heard an ESPN guy that was, uh, I think it was the blogger for the AFC North, uh, Walker's his last name, I think, said it was the loudest game he's, NFL game he's been at that year by far. So, and let's face it, if Heath Miller doesn't fumble that, that one pass. Six play, minutes left down on the 30. You know, that could be. Down it, by three. Could be, you know, at worst, we're probably looking at a tie game there, and maybe the Steelers go in and take the lead. So, you know, I, I think the game was what it was. But now coming to this week, you've got some added variables. Now they're in a second. All right, all right but let's drill down on the, the take. Most of the viewers watching this or have watched, watched that game. I agree. I also think the one we I think the Pittsburgh defense is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that they're the best defense in the league by far. I think the one thing they're a little weak at, but they're not as weak as people think, is really in this league, no defense can handle a great passing offense clicking. Because of the new rules with the, you know, the, the, the chucking and, and, and the way they're, they're uh, making it where it's defensive interference no matter what, pretty much, if there's any contact. I don't think when Drew Brees is playing well, you, any team can stop him. So I do think that Pittsburgh stops the run in a historic fashion. It's like mm-hmm. you know seven you know or fourteen rushes for thirty-one yards every week. It right. seems to happen. I think their defense on passing might be the best or in top five for sure. It's just not quite as good. And I think Breeze played an amazing game. I mean, it was it was a an all-world game from what I you know twenty to twenty-two in the second half. And you know I'm not so sure that that. The idea, oh, the Steelers are susceptible to the pass. I think maybe against Peyton Manning, maybe against Tom Brady, maybe against Drew Brees, and and maybe only those guys. And I think only on the road, maybe. I mean, it was, like you said, the perfect storm to expose what is perceived as the Steelers' weakness. But I just think they're, they're way, way above average at that instead of great. I agree with you there. The point that I was going to lead into is, that, and we talked about this in one of our earlier videos, Steelers are in a negative situation here this week playing their third straight road game and the fact that they catch no break where that road game is another national primetime game where you're going to have a pumped-up crowd. Yeah, I don't know. See, one, I think that this... Let me ask you this. Let's say the Steelers would have played almost identically... Heath Miller, Miller doesn't fumble. He's only fumbled four times in his career, or three times before that fumble in his career, mm-hmm. all right? And he's like 10 years in the league. Doesn't fumble, they win. But it's the same game other than that, meaning that they gave up all those passing yards and all that. Do you like Pittsburgh less or more if they had won the game? If they had won the game, I actually like Pittsburgh more because they're not in a bounce-back mode. And I look at bounce back in a different way on the road when you're playing a bad team because people are going to be, they're stepping down in class. Public perception is going to be, okay, they lost to the Saints, but this week they got the Bengals, or as we like to refer to them, the Bungles. You know, people are going to say they're dropping in class, they're going to bounce back. So you're saying that building into the line right now is the bounce back. Yes. I, I'm not so sure I disagree that you're right. I'm, I'm saying, though, after reading, and again, the Steelers, as, as you can tell, and some of the mm-hmm. terrible towels and stuff, that's my team, that's your team. I watch every play of every game, I th- and I know Tom, I'm starting to understand Tomlin's psychology. This is a team that's going to come out like gangbusters. And I'm, gonna, and I'm thinking that, that whatever the bounce-back premium is, it probably isn't enough. I also think that... You can't lose sight of this. The Bengals beat the Steelers twice last year. Well, a point that I was going to make, too, is two points. First off, when you have a division game, sometimes you've got to throw out the nuts and bolts statistics that you have because when teams know each other, they play twice a year, you know, you know their weaknesses, you know their strengths, so you also know how to attack those and, and game plan better. 
So sometimes you'll see a result that's opposite what you would think mentally. I mean, how many times have you seen a Baltimore game where if you think Baltimore and Pittsburgh, right away you think, oh, that's going to be a 16-13 game because of their great defenses. But because they know each other so well, they know where to find those spots and they do things opposite and you might end up getting a high-scoring game with them. I think the Bengals, you know, they're not going anywhere this year. Again, this is their probably their only TV game that they're going to be marquee. That crowd will be crazy. It's going to be a tough atmosphere for Pittsburgh. What does that have to do with the fact that the Steelers have revenge? It doesn't have a fact that right, the Steelers so have revenge. That, that, I listen very quietly. I've gotten some feedback. I interrupted well, you. Too, I was just, all right, so that's what I'm saying. So let's agree the Steelers have revenge. So they're bouncing back from a tough loss. They have big-time revenge that these Bengals are beating them twice. Now, you're saying another point, which may or may not be valid, I tend to agree with you that you're probably right, is considering that Cincinnati almost has a lost cause this year, this is going to be like their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Right. But let me ask you this. One of your pet theories is the fact that right after a team loses the game, which makes their seasonal goal impossible, is the worst game they play because mentally it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's like, I know a lot of guys that have had long-term relationships where they had a lot of trouble, but finally when the breakup really happens or the divorce happens, they are more depressed than they were. Even though they haven't been happy with that person for two years, it's like, I'm divorced, mm-hmm. right? And then, but then usually, six weeks later, they're happy. <laughs> but, but for that six weeks, they're not. Is the Bengals, if they would have won against the Dolphins, would have been in the playoff hunt. That Dolphins game was for the season. That was the talk. They lost. How can you not say they're going to be down? Just the, the fact that it is a, a, the TV game. It, it, these guys, Monday Night Football, you, you listen to people when they talk, you know, interviews on, you know, the different shows, ESPN and that. They know that the world is watching them. Not only the, the fan base, but they know that on Monday See, that night their peers the, are watching that them seems, too. That seems to go against... So many of your theories about motivation, how what I always say is once you have max motivation, you can't be max plus. But you'll tell me times when there's, you know, two teams playing for the national title, but some coach made a snide comment three years ago, and that means this team's going to be extra motivated. So I agree with you. The Bengals are going to be more motivated than if this was a Sunday game, but there has to be some diminishment in motivation because their season goal was... was, was, uh, made impossible or almost impossible after last week's loss. You said it, it, mathematically it's not ruled out, but it is virtually impossible. But one thing, and you've got to admit, if your season is screwed, the last thing, and go back to your analogy about, you know. Under that somebody, theory, the Cowboys would have stepped up against the Jags last week. Hey, we no, know we're out of the playoff. It's but, still. But that's not the but rivalry. But the game was, but it's not a rivalry, but it was on national TV. It was still the, it was the number one, sadly, with the number one feed on CBS at one o'clock. I mean. The, it's not the same as being the, the, the Monday night game and being a division game. You want to put the screws to the guys that are in your division. And really, as good as the Sealers started the season, if they take another loss here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them chasing Baltimore. Which doesn't that motivate the Steelers. It does, but it also motivates Cincinnati to show up and play. And the one thing about Monday night football, we know the history about home dogs on Monday night, you know, that it's been a long-term proposition. And this year it has been good as well. The home dogs have had a good year so far. There was more home dogs at the beginning of the but season. But just two weeks ago you were saying because of that, the line's been adjusted so you wanted to lay the favorite on Monday night. I did and we, we, we won that ball game. No, I'm not saying credit. you're wrong, but what I'm saying is, is how does it go both ways? Because this is one of those teams, the home team that doesn't look attractive. They look like they are in total disarray, and the public will want the premium team. The How Steelers. would you characterize the character? Again, we, we, we said that Dallas is a low-character team. That's a generalization, but in aggregate, we believe that. I agree. I, where would you put the Bengals on the character scale? They're probably right behind them because they seem to go out and get some of the misfits and cast-offs that other teams don't want anymore. So um, what you're telling me, I agree. I think they're bottom five character. You're telling me we got a bottom five character team that lost the, the game that, that, that made their dream of the season impossible, which would be the playoffs in this case. They're playing the most physical, one of the most physical teams in the NFL, 
and they got T.O., they got Chad Oko Cinco, or however you yeah. say his name, and you think they're going to say, oh, we're going to play our hardest because we want to screw the Steelers and we're not going to pout because our season's in disarray. That's your, that's your thought. I am not telling anybody to go out and bet the Bengals, but I'm also saying at this point in time I can't justify the Steelers because I, I think you're paying a premium for them this week. I think the line's a little high. All right. I agree. You pay a premium for the Steelers every week. But sometimes that premium is, is going to be that the other factors go beyond that. I think you have clearly the best team in football. Vegas, even after the loss, has the Steelers as clearly. It's not even close. They're like a point better right. than... I mean, anybody that watched the New Orleans game, coming away from that game, that was a good-looking loss. I mean, no loss is good, but that was as good of a loss looking-wise for the Steelers that they could have. It's the first game since 2008 they lost by more than a touchdown. So, if anything, it was, oh, my God, it wasn't even a last-minute game. We got outplayed, especially in the second half. I mean, I would say that missed field goal, they could have – I mean, there's so many things they could have won that game. If, they, if Randall L. would have actually went into the end zone instead of crumpling up on the goal line, they score seven. If they make that – Field goal late, it's it's thirteen nothing at halftime. They're up. Instead, they only got three, or I guess it'd be ten nothing. They get three. They miss the field goal. The Saints kick the field goal. It's three three. The Heath Miller fumble. This is the best team in football that not only has yearly revenge against an zero and two. You know, Bengals last year they went zero and two, which in Ohio, Big Ben that just doesn't happen to him. I mean, they dominated the Ohio teams before that. And then you forget this is a rivalry. People that don't understand the geography and it's Cincinnati, Ohio. These are teams that don't like each other. It's the perfect storm for a great pit. Well, let me ask you, and then we'll go. To me, it's a perfect storm for a great Pittsburgh performance. You know you got a good team. They're off a loss. They got revenge. They know if they lose because of last year. You know if they lose, they're going to have trouble with the Bengals. They're already a half game behind because they lost straight up against them or head-to-head this is a perfect storm for the Steelers to have a great performance. Other than the fact you're saying you think the Bengals, I'm not saying that you're wrong, the Bengals are going to play well. I think you're very wrong. But let's say that, let's set that to the side of it. What is it that would make Pittsburgh not have an outstanding performance here? There's nothing, you've slipped over the three weeks in a row on the road. That That is a big point. Okay, and maybe that is, maybe that is. So the question is, and again, one of those, and that was traveling both times, to Miami, to New Orleans, Sunday night game, which sets you back five or six hours, which is like a half a day. You know, so maybe that is the one point, and and again, that's what's nice when we take our time with these. That's the one point that causes me a little bit of pause. And you always ask me about true line, fair line. Really, I thought this line should have been three in the game, and I think you're paying a premium because but hold on a second. Week. Pittsburgh was three at Miami. How in the heck are they going to be three at Cincinnati? Well, a lot of people, you know, looked at that Miami game, and that's a game is for all the reasons. I'm that not we- asking about how the game. Do you think Pittsburgh entering? What was Pittsburgh's power ranking? You know, actually, we we should have an overtime segment. We're almost at the 15 minute mark. I believe that the Lions right, and again, I'll and we can continue this in the in the comments section. But I believe if Miami was getting three against Pittsburgh, you got to be laying more to Cincinnati at this point. All right. Thank you, Marco. Uh, again, my official pick, and, and Dustin put it up there, is the Steelers to cover. And you can continue this conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. That's it for the videos this week. And next week, we're going to be up with the eight biggest games and a video free pick on every one of them.